Hi, I'm Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. This week we're talking about the fifth episode of the first season of Leverage called The Mile High Jump. Beth, what did you think? Beth thinks there's a spider that she's watching and if you see it come, like it's fine on the on the curtain where it is. Okay. But if you see it come towards me, tell me and I'll move and I'll get a cup and I'll take him outside. Okay. okay. I don't care about spiders, honestly. I, look, I just don't want them on me. Okay. Mm. Fair enough. Um, or, or in my bed. So, mm. <laughs> um, anyway... How do you feel okay. about him sitting at your desk? He has emails too. <laughs> he doesn't pay any fucking rent, so he can read his emails at the public library. Thank you very much. Um, okay, so the episode. Yeah. I, first things first, yeah. I'm just going to put it out there. This has been my favourite episode thus far. Okay, good. I enjoyed watching yeah. it. Yeah, I enjoyed watching it. And my reason, I think, is just because Nate is immediately so much less annoying yeah. in this episode. Like, I last, last recording we did... Half or more of my notes were just about how annoyed I was at Nate and how ugly his hat was and how stupid he was. Mm -hmm. In this episode, I think I had two notes about Nate, the whole thing. And I enjoyed this episode immensely more. (laughs) So I feel like as soon as you give Nate something to actually do, he becomes less annoying because he's actually doing something. I think that's the sort of pitfall they fell into with his character in the first few episodes. Yeah. Just namely that he's just sort of vibing. And he's vibing there being an arsehole. Yeah, he's just vibing and acting like he's some like hotshot mm. know-it-all and everyone else has to do what he says. And it's like, based on fucking what? what? And this episode, like, everyone's doing what he says, but it's actually, like, based on... Mm-hmm. Like, you can actually you see can, him... You can see him actually coordinating. Yeah. Because I feel like up to this point, he's just been, kind of been, like, a bit bossy, but, like, everyone already knows what they need to do without him telling them. Yeah. This episode, it was more like, oh, no, they need one person who's, like, actually taking charge. And I feel and like has he has his actually, fingers in every... Yeah, and he like, actually, like, did yeah. that more effectively this episode. And he finally, finally was whispering when talking into the fucking earpieces. <laughs> he's like walking and he just fucking is yelling. He did do it a couple of times, but there were other times when he whispered. And I was yeah. like, look, I'll take the improvement. <laughs> I'll take it where I can get it. So yes, no, Nate annoyed me way less than normal. And so I, I much preferred this episode to any of the others I've seen so far. I feel like this is sort of inevitable. So we might as well get it over early on in the episode. Yeah. Let's compare this episode to 104 of Supernatural Phantom Traveler. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what's so funny? Is that I was thinking that while I was watching the episode. I was like, ha ha. And then there is a line from Parker where she's talking to the lady who's freaking out. And mm-hmm. she's going through all the ways you could die. Yep. And she says, autoerotic asphyxiation. <laughs> and when I tell you that that is supernatural relevant, when I tell you there's a cutscene that was scripted that specifically relates to a character in Supernatural dying from autoerotic asphyxiation, and not like a side character, like a main character, I could not believe <laughs> Well, okay, that wasn't the supernatural connection I was thinking. <laughs> I didn't of. think it would be. I cannot wait. I was more specifically uh, contrasting the way Hardison successfully gets the flight attendant to not board the flight, but by pretending to be from the yes. hospital and telling them a loved yes. one is in danger, com- immediately compared to 
Dean on the phone trying to convince a flight attendant not to get on an airplane because someone or something they care about is in the hospital. Yeah, the mum, I think, was... The mum versus the uh, cat. Yeah. Which I love the... Was it Mr. Fidget? Yeah. I adore that so much. I feel so bad for that lady. Because if, yeah. if I was out somewhere and someone called me and was like, hey, we have your dog. If you're not here in the next 10 hours, we're going to kill him. I, like, have you seen John Wick? <laughs> uh, I've seen, I think I've seen some, but I haven't like, someone, sat down and actually had chance to watch the film. I am the most, like, I am not a violent person. But you're but referring to the whole, like, he's fine until someone kills my him. my dog. You know that scene I mean, in Brooklyn where Rosa is like, if someone hurts Arlo, I will kill everyone in this room and then myself. And also you kind of accidentally named your dog Arlo. My dog is literally Arlo, and if anyone hurt him, I would kill everyone and then myself. We may have to take that out, but... <laughs> No. For legality reasons, it is a joke. Yeah, for legal reasons, I'm kidding. But <laughs> also, <laughs> but also, but yes, no, I felt so bad for that poor lady. And Fidget is the cutest, and yeah. I love it. I also want to talk about Hardis in this episode. Yeah. Because I am confused. And mm-hmm. I know you've told me before that, like, the airing order of Leverage was different yeah. to the intended, like, what yeah. it was written, the order that the episodes yeah. were written in. And watching this episode... And in case it wasn't clear, we were we are watching in the order that it's released on the DVD, the order that it was originally intended, intended to, to be, be aired, versus the order that it was actually aired on, on television. TV. So watching this episode, it was weird. It felt like I... It felt like I'd skipped one. Yeah. Because the energy between Hardison and the rest of the team was weird and they kind of explain it like it it took me until about probably 10 or 15 minutes into the episode to realize oh hardison like just like what forgot that they had a job yeah so basically hardison did uh did what we refer to as a calculated risk however he was bad at math Mm. and he decided that he would be fine to stay up basically all night playing world of warcraft Warcraft, uh because they released the new expansion pack he then proceeded to basically sleep through his alarm and all that sort of jazz, completely forgot that they were had planned the break-in that morning, only realised when he woke up, logged on to his system and realised all the earbuds were active yeah. and being used and was like, oh, fuck, I was meant to be awake and present and here to do that. Yeah. No, I um, I did And so they're all pissy out. at Hardison because, uh, yeah. I did work that out. Um, also, I think they just needed a convenient plot way to not have Hardison on the plane. Mm, yeah. So him being at the office makes sense Yeah, in regards to that. Yes. So it took me a little while to cotton on. Like, obviously, he has the conversation with Cheryl in the office about World yeah. of Warcraft, and then Nate gets mad, and it's kind of like, yeah. oh, that's what happened. Yeah. But it felt like... It kind of felt like I had missed an episode, mm. and there was supposed to be one between this one and the last one. Where Hardison had where an there argument. Was, there was, yeah, <laughs> some the kind of, of... Because yeah. at the end, like, it doesn't actually really get resolved. Like, Parker and Elliot just kind of get up and walk away, and, and Hardison's just kind of like, I, I said sorry kind of thing. And it, it feels like it... Like, obviously they have an entirely valid reason mm. to be cross, but it does sort of feel like there is something more to that conversation. Yeah. Then we're kind of like given other so than So this is you know, 
You know how in Supernatural you like to tell me that there's a whole bunch of stuff implied off screen? Yeah. So Leverage, especially the first season, does this quite a bit where they imply sort of like that the jobs these team, like the team is taking, mm-hmm. aren't just necessarily the ones we're seeing. Yeah. So there's another episode that I can think of a little later in the season where a similar thing happens where it's sort of like it's heavily implied that just like a whole bunch of little things have happened in the jobs that we haven't necessarily seen. Sure. So with Hardison, one of his real like sort of character flaws and issues is because he's sort of just naturally talented at computers. Yeah. Like he sort of like he got into computers and technology and it just clicked for him. Because he skates by a lot on talent. He doesn't put in the work necessarily. Because I noticed that Nate actually basically says that, you know, in yep. the episode, he says you can't just skate by on, like, talent and luck or something yep. forever. And I was kind of like, at what point did we see Hardison skating by on, like, talent and luck? Mm-hmm. I was like, from what I've seen, like, he's working just as hard as everyone else yep. in a different capacity, sure. Yep. But it's certainly not easy. Um, and so, I don't know, it just, for me, it felt like I was missing something. Yep. And, like, I get, like, having the implication of off screen. <laughs> but it was, I was a little confused. And that's probably actually my only negative for this whole episode is just that I was sort of like, it feels like there is a missing link here. And if I didn't know, because you told me which episode that I had to watch, if I didn't know absolutely that I was watching the right episode, I would have thought I'd missed one. Yeah. Like if I was just watching this casually, I would have been like, oh, and like gone back in the episode list to find the episode I'd missed. Yeah. Um. But in saying that, that probably is my one and only complaint for this episode. And everything else that Hardison was doing, fucking adore. And I will say, although it feels a little out of place, I do love... Like, I I understand what you mean. Like, it does feel kind of like, oh, is there something bigger behind this? Like, Mm. it seems like a a bit of a severe reaction. I mean, it's not overly... It feels like a really severe reaction when you realise, oh, he was just late for the job. But then when you realise, like, their lives are on the line, it's not a severe reaction. But also, like, it does sort of come from nowhere. What confuses me is that, like, obviously they had a plan that involved Hardison. Why on earth did A, no one, like, surely they would have been able to get in touch with him. And B, like, surely they could have rescheduled, I guess. Like... You know, I unless there was a specific reason why it had to be that day, surely they could have been like, well, Hardison's not around. We can't get in touch with him. We don't know what's happening. We'll just have to call it off and figure out what's going on and then do it like three nights from now or something. Yeah. That was my my only thing yeah. where I was confused. Um, I think the reason they didn't just reschedule it like three nights from now is because they knew they were on a time limit because of when the court case was. They had to find the evidence by a certain time for it to be usable for the court case. And I will say, I just checked the original air order. The issue with this episode specifically of that sort of feeling like it came from nowhere doesn't get resolved in the original air order because this is episode eight, but it comes directly off the wedding job. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. So... There's so also, even in the original airing, it wouldn't yeah, have. It wouldn't have. Made so any it, sense. in the original air order, this one comes directly after the wedding job. Yeah, and then immediately after is the snow job, which we just watched last week. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it doesn't. Yeah, it, it doesn't. Yeah. And none of the other episodes that you haven't seen yet that have 
in the original air order mm-hmm. have already aired. Uh, none of them explain it either. Like they, they, it's not. That's a very interesting because that would. Because the way they left it off at the end of this episode, I expected that that would carry into the next episode. But if the next episode was originally supposed to be the snow job, then that clearly doesn't. No. So that's um, that's sort of why we're watching in the intended order. Yeah. Because it does... Like, the character development is more consistent. Like, because yeah. it is designed to be watched in that order. Like, the writers, when they wrote it, wrote it so in that, that it was in that order. order. Um. I do see why they did it, like, the original air order. I can see why they would have aired it in that order just because I think they've put four – so basically between where we are and, like, the in the in the orders, the, the first six episodes of the original air order I think are a lot stronger than the first six episodes of – The digital, like – The intended order. Right. I think as – Episodes, I think they're stronger. Like, yeah. Personally. So in terms of getting an audience and keeping them engaged, you want to put your yeah, best foot forward. forward. Yeah. So I do think it's really interesting. And I also think it's really interesting what they did to the end half of the season in the original air order, which we can discuss well, later on when you've actually seen the episodes because otherwise <laughs> I'm going to be sitting here ranting about it. But, yeah, so uh, it uh, it there's no necessary, like, and after this one, going into the next episode, I don't think, I don't think they really delve too far into it either. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like they've bygones be bygones. They're they're moving on. They're not like they don't really harp on it. But I do think it is interesting because next episode they do have like that rift is still there like a little bit. Like it's not it's not as prominent. It's not a prominent thing, but it is sort of like I think the other thing is. As a team, they can't really hold on to grudges for too long because if they do, so that's a stuff up. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, no. So I can, however, forgive it because it means we get the fantastic smash cut of them all really serious. They're in the office. The computer's not burning up. To Hardison microwaving the hot pocket. He's vibing. He's chilling. I have a serious question about yeah. this. This man is canonically, I would argue, like a fucking genius. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. No plate for the hot pocket. <laughs> he is described multiple times throughout the show as the smartest man they have ever met, uh, by multiple different characters, <laughs> not just not just in the team, outside of the team as well. Yeah. He is described as yeah the smartest person they know several times. Right. No plate. I look. <laughs> it was funny. Head empty, no thought. Head empty. I Look, was like, you've got to with smart people. And off the floor. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Three second rule. Like, and I, like, here's the thing. He couldn't have used a spatula. Like, <laughs> what a strange man. I do love Hardison. Yeah. I do love him. Um, and I do love his uh, corporate culture persona, uh. David. <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> I love that David and Cheryl are work besties. <laughs> he had a hell of a day. He was there for one day at that company. I he know. got promoted up from the second floor. Uh-huh. It was his birthday. Uh-huh. He had the big presentation and meeting with the fucking CEO of the company. Uh-huh. And then he got and he fired. Gets fired. <laughs> All in and it's day. his birthday. I yep. fucking... And I love the whole, like, 
Mind you, his, he, his cover story is he's just been transferred up from the second floor. Yeah. And he goes to Cheryl, don't fight. It's my birthday. And she's like, oh, Nobody dad, told us. Nobody told us. It's like, how are you meant to fucking know? I know. And she like makes it Steve's fault that she didn't know. It's like, Steve just met this man. Steve met this man and was arrested. <laughs> No, I do like immediately that. accused of racial discrimination. Like, <laughs> I I do love Steve as sort of like a micro punching bag for this episode. Yeah, because like of course there's like, mind you, Hardison is gaslighting the hell out of him because <laughs> he's like, I swear I saw a maintenance guy. Oh, do we all look the same to you? And then immediately. Hardison does the thing with Cheryl where it's like you work out you're a fan of the same thing and like your fandom uh-huh. besties immediately. Yeah, you're like, oh. And Cheryl's like, I don't really like Steve. So Hardison's like, I don't really like Steve. Yeah, exactly. It's- That's what I'm telling you. Work besties. <laughs> and like- then immediately Hardison's like, oh, bad burrito, Steve, take over this fucking <laughs> presentation that you know nothing about. <laughs> that doesn't exist because nope. Hardison's made it up on the spot but also that, that the presentation sounds like every single business course I ever took at university right? I was really watching this and I was like he sounds like one of those inspirational like YouTubers who's just like believe in your dreams and you can make it happen here's how I hit the big time with these five easy steps like oh so fucking funny and I absolutely adore that he threw Steve under the bus yep I just and then the guy when he, Steve and Cheryl are fighting. Yeah. And Hardison is just there, like, lying on the table, like, looking between them, like, the world's most boring match of tennis. Yeah. And freaking... Though I do want Carrot on the cob. I was just going to say the fucking Carrot on the cob. I love when he was just like, Carrot on the cob, man, that's going to scare some people. <laughs> oh, it was just so funny. <laughs> oh. Very quickly, sorry, okay. before we move on from this, speaking yeah. of the meeting that Hardison invents, uh-huh. I think knowing office culture, yeah. if someone walked into the manager's office yeah. and said, hey, the meeting's starting, yeah. don't forget, like, it's yeah. in five minutes, make sure you're there, I guarantee the manager would be like, okay. And oh, just, fuck, I forgot a meeting. <laughs> uh, sure, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll be there with coffee. Uh, I'll see you at five. And they're panicking in their brain the whole time, like, fucking meeting. And there is no meeting. No. But they're sure there is. Yeah. Because it would make sense. They've got so much on their plate, it would make sense that they forgot a meeting. Yeah. Like, that tactic, I 100% believe would work. And here's why. It would work on me. If someone came up to me at my job and said, hey, Bethany, that meeting is in five minutes, I'd be like, damn, you're right. Especially if they immediately walked out and didn't let you question and no, anything. Yeah, exactly. I'd be like, fuck, you're, you're correct. It is in five minutes. Um, I am halfway through some paperwork, but I guess I'm gonna I'll meeting. come back to that. <laughs> I would just assume that I had forgotten. 100%. I believe that tactic would work. Yeah. It's not the only time they use it. They use it a couple of times that I can think of. Mm, so mm-hmm. I am uh, I am excited for you to see that. Before we move on, while we are talking about Hardison and missing the original heist yeah. plan, Sophie does it again. She takes advantage of the fact men are stupid and horny. She does. I literally... Men being stupid and horny has become such a prominent yeah. cornerstone of both of our podcasts. Yeah. It's insane that we can say both of our podcasts. I know. 
it's, it's that's one that's like two podcasts too many <laughs> quite genuinely shocking also i love her boombox yeah <laughs> i love that that's what she brought like i don't know like i get that it's the an older show party is here oh funny and the gsp <laughs> instead of the gps mm. okay quickly before we move on from that as well yeah. i do just want to mention um i love hardison's party hat yeah I love that they immediately throw him an office birthday party. Yeah. I think that's hilarious. I also think that's very in character yeah. for office culture. It's just perfect. Mwah. I loved it. While we're still vaguely on the topic of interesting foods. Yeah. Ginger ale. I, look, customer service is hard. I relate so hard to Parker. Yeah. Again, with me relating to mm-hmm. air hostesses. Yeah. I would want to murder that woman. I'm both the lady who is, like, trying to be so polite and being like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, but I'm also Parker being like, bitch, I have let me do my job. I'll be with you in 30 I seconds. Give, I just, I'm already talking to this person here. Like, do, just, I'm, you're the next in line. Just, you can fucking wait. I... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, it's like my We do story. need to talk about Parker as the air hostess. Why the it, fuck was she the one doing the safety briefing? I don't know, <laughs> but it's hilarious and I love it so much. That's hot, folks. I I literally feel the other lady who is actually the air hostess, who keeps yep. giving Parker side eye the yep. entire episode, valid. <laughs> so valid. But yes, no, I think Parker is certainly... An air hostess. An air hostess. I would remember her. Yep. If I flew on her mm-hmm. When she's literally throwing packets of peanuts at people. So that she can purposefully miss and then go down and rummage yeah. through your bag. Yep. Yeah. I love that. Oh, I have a question for you. Yep. So, this is about planes. Mm-hmm. Well, not really about planes. It's yep. more about America. Mm-hmm. But. Doesn't mean I'll know anything. Air marshals. Yeah. I don't really know what they are okay i've heard Mm -hmm. them so i actually do know what oh good do we have them i don't know if australia has them because they're part of like the tsa post 9 11 security response to planes being hijacked essentially they're cops sort of airplane cops airplane cops they board flights to basically monitor any suspicious activity they're also the ones who are responsible if you've got, say, like a prisoner transit that happens right. on a flight. So they're also the ones who would deal with that. You know when you're on the bus? Yeah. And every now and again they'll have a random inspection yeah. on the bus and there's a person who comes on in the high vis and they check your ID to make yeah. sure you're using the right like concession cards yeah. or whatever. Is it kind of like that but for airplanes and higher stakes? Yeah, kind of like that for airplanes and higher stakes. And technically, their job is not to confirm that you have a valid plane ticket. Yeah. Their job is to uh, make sure terrorist attacks don't happen. Higher stakes. Yeah, on yeah. planes with higher stakes. Cool. Got you. Because I was like, I have heard of US Air Marshals before, mm. but I literally don't know what they do. So yeah. now I know, I guess. But also, given their line of work, a US Air Marshal badge is a legitimate thing to have with you because it's very convenient if you ever have to mm. because the badge essentially means that you can board any flight. Just immediately. Just immediately. Like, yeah. I do have another question. Yeah. This is about logistics and timeframes. Yeah. At the highest. Okay. Yep. Right. They've just overheard, first of all, hilariously, Elliot is like tucked in next to yep. the photocopier and I'm like, oh, that's iconic. I love that. Mm. 
Um, Nate looks like an idiot. Yeah. Crawling around behind the desk. He always that. I don't know why he went with them. I don't know why he wasn't. Yeah, that confused me too. Yeah. Um, anyway, so... I think it was just maybe all hands on deck because Hardison didn't show up for work. Yeah. Um, I also love the Parker manages to, like, somehow get out of it and Elliot's like, how'd she even? And he's like, I don't even ask anymore. I was like, iconic. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, they've just overheard the evil dude mm-hmm. talking on the phone and they've learned about the flight and Elliot and Nate specifically have a conversation about how the flight's leaving in an hour, there's no way they're going to make mm-hmm. it, blah, blah, blah. It's clearly the middle of the night. They rock up at the airport. It's now the middle of the day, and somehow they've made it onto the flight. I have no idea. Legit, I have always just assumed that, like, it's a summer, so the sun comes up earlier. The heist was at, like, 4 a.m. in the morning when they're on graveyard shift just before handover. Right. And that's also why Holderman's in his office because it's, like, 4 or 5 a.m. He's coming in early so he can destroy the evidence. And then by the time they get on the plane, the sun is starting to rise. Okay. Because I didn't I didn't think it was the middle of the day. I thought it was like early morning, just after the sun's come up. Oh yeah, no, I was looking at it going like this looks like 1 p.m. I don't <laughs> I don't know how they managed to do that, but okay, that makes a lot more sense. Look, the timing on that is still better than the timing in bugs. You're not wrong. <laughs> okay. I have I'm discovering as I go through my notes, I have lots of questions about okay. this episode. So I am your resource. Yes. Throw them at me. So when they're on the plane and they're yep. trying to figure out who their target is, right? Yep. And they're going through the whole thing and yep. Nate says that they can immediately discount the elderly, yep. anyone with children, mm-hmm. and anyone under the age of 25. Yeah. And I have a question about that. Mm-hmm. Why? Because as far as I know, any of those groups would still be able to commit a crime. Like, a 75-year-old could commit crime, so could a 19-year-old, so could a mother of three. So, <laughs> like, here's the thing. <laughs> it's a business trip, so you rule out families. Okay, sure. Easy, that's the, that's the first demographic to go. Okay. Anyone with kids, you're not taking kids with you if you're going to the Cayman Islands to stash Money. Sure. Okay. You're not taking kids. Uh-huh. It's on the company dollar. You're not going to take kids. Secondly, you rule out anyone younger than 25 because it's unlikely that he was going to entrust a whole bunch of money to somebody who was not experienced. Okay. So under 25s, not impossible, but unlikely. Mm-hmm. And then over 75, again, same reason. You're not going to send like a, an 80 year old to. Take your money to the Cayman Islands. See? It's most likely that they're still of a working age and it's unlikely that who he's entrusting has gone to a position where they're trusted by a CEO before the age of 25. I guess so. I just, it just the way it was presented, I was just kind of like, you know that, you know that those people could still commit crimes, right? Like, you know, like I'm only 23. I could take money on an airplane. Like yeah. it would- I think it's. I think it's. But less, the, the likelihood is less. But technically, the age yeah. itself. It, it was just a way to narrow it down yeah. using basic demographics. That would mean they narrowed. Say it's a plane of what, one hundred and fifty odd people. Yeah. To narrow that one hundred and fifty odd people down to like. I think they said fourteen or something. Yeah. In coach anyway. Yeah. Fourteen in coach. So it's like forty odd people. Yeah. So it's like it's over half their demographic, and the thing is. They can do the most likely demographic, and then if they strike out, they can go back through and uh, try some of the other demographics that they'd immediately dismissed. It's just, 
they've got to narrow it down because Somehow. they can't yeah. search everyone on the plane's bags and those are the less likely demographics to have been entrusted by Holderman to take his asset overseas. Yeah. Uh, I have a question. Yeah. The ceramic knife. Yeah. Um, Elliot says that he knows the guy was a pro because he had a ceramic knife. Yeah. I don't understand why a ceramic knife is indicative of someone being a pro. Do you? Yes, because you got to get through airport security. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, metal knife gets dinged by metal detectors, gets taken off of you. So the fact that he has a weapon, and he has a weapon as sophisticated as a ceramic Ceramic knife, knife. because that's not like a... You know, it's not like a plastic knife or something. Like, it's not something that you can just... It's like straight up ready to murder someone with, like, yeah. his takeaway cutlery from KFC. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's just... Indi- it's a highly specialised weapon yeah. that is designed to be able to get past airport security. Because ultimately a ceramic knife... Not going to shop isn't, a metal detector or... Yeah, it's not going to shop, but it's also not practical for just, like, general everyday use. Yeah. So you don't see ceramic knives... Just about. Just out and about because they're not... It's highly specialised for that situation in which a ceramic knife is one of the best ways to go because, yeah, it's undetectable. You can get it onto the plane, like, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And even the fact that he managed to get the ceramic knife, pa- knife past all the bag checks and shit that they do. Yeah, because that was the other thing. Means I was that just he's concealed say. it well enough. Because if you put it in the x ray, yeah. it'll still, like, the shape would still show yeah. up. Okay, cool. Yeah. Because I was like, I was sure that there was a reason for it. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I'm yeah, not privy no. to this information. Next question. The assassin. Yeah. Right? I can't remember his name. Dan like the, the head one. of security who's on Dan. the plane to try and kill. Oh, what's her name? Uh, Mar- Marissa? Marissa. There we go. So between the two of us, we got it. So Dan, all right. So Sophie is talking to Marissa. This is after she already knows that someone's trying to kill her. Yeah. Which I have another question about that. So <laughs> I have a lot of questions for you. So Sophie is like talking to Marissa. She's like, okay, like let's go for a walk. Let's stretch our legs. Let's get some deep breathing, you know. Yeah. Which is great. Good on Sophie. She's taken on a yeah. very maternal role here, and yeah. I like it for her. I like it for Marissa. I think it's a nice little... She's comforting her. Yeah. Um, and so they're walking, and Dan yeah. gets up and, like, follows them. Yeah. And I am confused by this, because mm-hmm. what purpose... For what purpose is he following them? It's not like they can get off the plane. It's not like he can lose them. It just seems weird and suspicious. Like, and like what would his explanation be if they were like are you following us like i it, that just so i me. think he's following them because i reckon he's assuming that marissa's going to the bathroom so he's planning on going and murdering him in the bathroom oh yeah and also because it's suspicious he's trying to work out what's happening he's trying to work out why this other lady is talking to marissa after just talking to him gotcha so he's trying to make sure the plan Goes ahead. I didn't think the plan was to kill her on the plane. The plane. Yeah. I thought that because when um, Nate talked I to think Elliot. The plan wasn't to kill her on the plane. I think the plan had to adapt in his brain because he doesn't know why Sophie is talking to Marissa. Yeah. And if she is now under US Marshal protection. Yeah, it's a bigger deal. It's a bigger deal. It's going to be harder to kill her when she gets off the plane. Yeah. So he's trying to basically take his opportunity before he loses it. Yeah. I will say. The fight in the bathroom, fantastic. The choreography is excellent, and I am very impressed they even managed to fit two grown men in that tiny room, let alone that they managed to make 
a believable fight scene yeah within that fucking tiny space because i don't know if in case anyone listening has never been in an airplane bathroom those things are like fucking cupboards yeah. like there is no room mm-hmm. no room at all i think Leverage has this thing, and it's the opposite of Supernatural. You know how you watch Supernatural, and you just assume they're a normal height, and then you learn they're all, like, six foot They're five. giant, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Leverage has the opposite. You assume Elliot's a normal height, right? He's actually quite short. The guy who plays – I'm going to bring up his height because he's, like – No, I've seen him next to Jensen yeah. in Supernatural. <laughs> he's short, yeah. Like, he, he's obviously not, like, tiny, but he's he's not – I think he's, like, five, six or something. So like he's, he's shorter than me. Yeah, he's, he's, like, shorter than – I'm bringing up so I don't slander him. Because um, I'm, like, 5'10". They make him seem a lot taller than he actually is. He's only 5'7", which is, like, objectively not short. Yeah. But it is below average in terms of height for men. For a Caucasian man in any yeah. case. Well, there you go. So he's deceptive, deceptively small. You don't realise how small he is <laughs> until – I'm still – honestly, even knowing that he's, like – Smaller in stature than you'd expect. Like, I'm still impressed. Yeah. Because even so, like... He's still buff. Like, he's buff as hell. Well, just trying to fucking... Honestly, yeah. getting... Do anything in there, yeah. By myself, just just to pee in one of those bathrooms. Let alone have a fight for the to the death. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I think... <laughs> I think... Have I... I don't know if I've told you this before, but Christian Kane actually worked... And did a lot of the choreography for the fight scenes. You this. told me that he did a lot of his own, like he did all his yeah. own stunts and stuff. So he he was responsible for like a good chunk of the choreography in the fight scenes as well. So That's he, quite cool. Like I think he's very he's very clever in terms of his like fight choreography and that and like, like that's something you will see like throughout the seasons. Like it's very very consistent because he's not a massive giant. Mm. He's very clever about the way he moves and the space he He's uses. Like tactical, yeah. yeah. So you even see it in like um the wedding job where instead of going for like the obvious weapon, the oh, I think it's a rolling. Yeah, pin, he goes for the lemons. He goes yeah. for the lemons because he can incapacitate them. Yeah, much more effectively. Much more effectively by blinding him than by bludgeoning him. Trying to bludgeon him because he. He's not. Yeah. He doesn't have the power behind him to necessarily. Though I do find it very funny in this scene. He knocks Erling out and then they go to question Erling. I know. And he's like, what? When I knock people out, they, they stay out. stay knocked out. Yeah, I wrote that down. <laughs> oh, okay. I think this is my last question. Okay. Specifically for you. Yeah. If you knew that someone had a bounty on their head. Yeah. Like in this situation kind of thing. Would so you- what, I'm Marissa. Or am I... No, like, you're like Parker. I'm, okay. Would you tell her? Oh, that's a hard one. Yeah. Because Parker is like arguing like, you know, if we, she's already freaking out, if we tell her it's going to be even worse, which is fair. Mm. Um, and Sophie is arguing, well, it's her life at risk. She has the right to know, which is also fair. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I actually don't know. I think it would depend on the situation. Well, like in this situation though. In this specific situation... I don't think I would tell her until I knew whether or not I needed her help to stop it, mm. if that makes sense. Like, yeah, if like, I could deal with it basically for her behind the scenes without her having to know, yeah, I would not tell her until after it was dealt with. Mm. So I could be like, look, this happened. 
Yeah. They are now in handcuffs locked in the bathroom. They cannot get you a safe. Yeah, pink fluffy handcuffs even. <laughs> I mean, handcuffs are mine, whips. Like <laughs> I love that little bit. It was so handcuffs funny. are his, whips mine. Yeah. Woo, second honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> and the little slap on the yeah. ass. Iconic. I love Sophie with every fibre of my being. <laughs> Same. That's why I think she can do so much better than Nate. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I think, but if it's like this situation, like they they ultimately needed her help. Like they couldn't just keep her in the dark. Yeah. Because otherwise there is no way she would have gone along with half the stuff. And then she's also more at risk mm. because she can't anticipate any, like she can't avoid going to the bathroom alone to potentially be murdered. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's sort of. Yeah. No, I was just curious because I thought that they both had valid points. Yeah. And I was interested. Situational and depending on whether – so in this situation, probably, yeah, because, like, I don't think there's any way of getting out her out of the situation without, without her, her knowing. knowing. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, she is pretty panicked and adding to that is ill-advisable unless it's going to contribute to her safety, her knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. No, because she's fucking freaking out. Mm-hmm. And she has so- – Actually, okay, when Parker does just kind of give up on being gentle with her and just bluntly is just like, someone wants to kill you. Ginger ale? <laughs> Excellent. Mm. Hilarious. Yeah. I loved it. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I also love when uh, she's explaining to Parker, like, oh, you know, it's a placebo. Like, it doesn't actually do anything, but it makes you feel better. And she's like, yeah? When's that going to start kicking in? And I was like... <laughs> Here's the thing, the, the placebo effect often doesn't work if you acknowledge the placebo effect. Oh, actually, interestingly, um, it, it, it does. Even if your nose makes a placebo, it'll still help. Not to the same extent, but it does still help. Like, you'll still you'll still feel the effect of it a lot of the time. It's yeah. just, it. oh, it's not as strong as if you don't know, but even if you know it's, it's the placebo, placebo effect of the placebo effect. It, yeah. it stops just being the placebo effect. Yeah. And then it's, yeah. So even if you are aware that something is just like... I feel like I explained myself badly. Like, <laughs> you, you don't actually get the placebo effect of yeah. the thing directly anymore, so it's like... It's like a subcategory. Yeah. But no, like, it'll still help. It just isn't gonna... Yeah. You're aware of it, so it's not gonna be as effective, but yeah. it will still, it'll still help mm. a lot of the time. Except for in this case. Except for in this case. <laughs> Actually, there's some really great lines in this in this episode. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites, annoyingly, comes from Nate, mm-hmm. and they're talking about going to the Cayman Islands. And he's like, "Go for the tan, stay for the tax cover." Yeah. Oh dear. There are a lot of I, I really do enjoy the writing of Leverage. I think there are a lot of like lines that are just so iconic. Mm. That's why it makes me really sad that more people don't know about Leverage or watch Leverage, because, okay, yeah, it's definitely a two thousand like eight show. But some of this shit is iconic. Like, honestly, I'm so disappointed that there aren't, like, multiple gift sets of all of this shit, like, everywhere all over Tumblr because... There should be. There should be. There are so many iconic moments and lines. Like, you've watched, what, five episodes? Yeah. Every single episode so far has had, what, like, at least half a dozen iconic moments? I mean, you would see yeah. that. I, I would argue yeah. probably not. But that's, again, like, you know the S show. And, yeah. like, this is your favourite comfort show. So it's a bit, like, I would say the same thing with Supernatural and yeah. you wouldn't agree with me. So No, but I can I can see with Supernatural how, like, 
the iconic moments have really helped build the fandom yeah. around it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, but I do, while we're talking about iconic moments, one of my favourite moments in this entire episode uh-huh. is when Parker's in the cargo hold and she's searching through the bags. Yeah. And Hardison's explaining what's happening to the plane and she has, like, the fan fiction oh oh moment, like, oh oh a telesized moment. Yeah. As she realises, like, the implications yeah. of what it means. Like, obviously, very different context to how this moment's normally used in, in fan, fan fiction. Yeah. But I do think it's a very fun, like, facial journey for yes. her. Yes. Oh, my God. When she's, like, realising, like, this plane's going to go down. Yeah. Like... I um though really conveniently she finds the exact adapter she needs in like the second bag. I know. I was like, even even when I am fully aware that I have the exact cord that I need somewhere in my house, I can't fucking find it. It's in the Yet she manages to find it in like one the second fucking bag she tries in an entire baggage carrier. Like plot, plot, plot. Convenience, convenience, convenience. convenience. Yeah. <laughs> um oh, speaking of finding things in bags. Yeah. So there's a point in the episode where Sophie and Parker are telling Nate, these are the list of things we found, but none of yeah. it's what we're looking for, right? And Sophie goes to him, Nate, can we please take the diamonds? And he's like, no. And I'm like, bitch, you don't have to ask permission. Take them. He doesn't get to tell you no. Sophie, you can have those damn diamonds if you want them. Lord knows Nate isn't going to give you a diamond. Just take some. Like, damn. I was so annoyed on her behalf. I was like, she fucking found them. She's a thief. Take the damn diamonds. Anyway, I didn't really have anything else to say about that. I just wanted Sophie to get the diamonds because she deserves them. Yeah, Sophie deserves all the diamonds. She is what a character. Oh, I. Love I her. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're starting to like understand why I like these characters. Oh yeah, like, oh yeah. I like all of them except Nate. Yeah, like all of them. And this episode, I think, like a lot of their sort of like characters are really. You're correct. Like, it, they find their footing. Yeah. And once they've found their footing, it's like, oh. Like, Parker is still, like, awkward and, like, socially kind of inept, but in a way that is much more, like... Endearing versus insulting. Endearing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's... Endearing was the exact word I was I was looking for. But it's also not, it's like... like... They use the character trait, especially in the early episodes, as, like, an excuse for Parker to insult people without realising she was insulting people. Yeah. And now they're using it as, like, oh, well, we can use it to let her get away with basically saying anything that's on her mind, including yeah. the worst possible security briefing for the flight yeah. safety checks. But it's also, like, it feels it feels more organic. It feels like something that her character would do mm. versus, like, it feeling kind of forced because they're trying to play something off for, like, yeah. comedy's sake. Like, with the bridesmaid where she basically yeah. tells the bridesmaid that she's fat or whatever. I'm yeah. like, okay, but, like, I... It, it just, In it that situation, she has Sophie there. Why would she make a comment? Like Yeah, exactly. And Or even um, in the very first episode, that thing where she just awkwardly just yells like, ha! Like really loud. And I was like, what is happening there? Like, because it doesn't, it doesn't make sense for her character, yeah. I think. But like this stuff where she's like, clearly she's just like, I don't want to fucking, be- this is so stupid. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't care. Like the, the, I don't give a fuck attitude. Yeah. Combined with the lack of like Awareness. filter yeah. and social like you know uh, skills, yeah, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, than them just kind of giving her random, vaguely insulting or whatever lines. Like it just feels so much more contextually plausible. Yeah. 
so it's not as jarring, I think, yeah. is the thing. Like, it fits in the episode. It fits with her character. It's not just sort of like, that seems like a clunky writing, you yeah. know? While we are talking about Parker, though. Yeah. I do want to really quickly mention the moment when she realises she fucked up bad. When they're like, these are the two passengers on the plane. One's in coach. Yeah. One's in first class. I'm sending you their pictures now. Her, like she takes, I fucking called it. Too. She takes... One look at the picture and she's like, oh, fuck. I knew, like, as soon as that lady was, like, annoying more yeah. than once, I was like, oh, this is going to have something to do yeah, with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I I love Parker. I just, she's so funny. Okay, so I think we should probably move on from that. Yes. Did you have a direction you'd like to take us back? Okay, I, I have one more, like, semi-serious note. Okay. Scientists who take bribes to fake results, particularly when it comes to public health concerns, they can get fucked. Literally, my villain origin story. I hate that to the depths of my being. It is, it makes me furious. Yeah. Absolutely furious. Because not only... Not only does it discredit, like, the entire scientific process, yeah, which is just unfathomable, mm-hmm. um, it also puts fucking billions of lives at risk. And for the sake of what? A payout? Mm-hmm. Literally, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Um, you... I just... Scum. Yeah. Scum. Mm. I, I have nothing nice to say about someone like that. I just think... And, what the show is like making me realize is you know you've said before like the villains are often like based on like true events and stuff yep. and it's like it 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 does instill a rage in me mm-hmm. because i'm like oh yeah this actually happens like people actually take bribes and lie about these things that have killed other people and often like people who are vulnerable like the elderly like children like people who had pre-existing conditions and disabilities mm-hmm. i just it makes me unfathomably furious. I find it very, very funny that the reboot has been slammed as, like, too political. It's like, I'll, are we watching the same show perchance? Yeah. Like, I'm sure you've noticed the uh, the heavy fuck the rich. Oh, yeah. Undertones. And I fucking love it. I'm here for it. Yeah. Yeah. So this show has never shied away from being like, oh, like, these bad guys are actually, like, realistic portrayals of what can happen mm-hmm. or what has happened in the past. There's like, there, there are cases and episodes where the antagonist is based on one specific person. Like yeah. up to this point, I think they're all based like sort of generally on like four or five different people where, where similar things have happened or yeah. like a couple of different companies where similar things have happened mm-hmm. and then just sort of given them like a face. There are episodes that I can think of that... Where it's like, no, this specific person. It's this person. Like, they heavily drew inspiration from this one person. Yeah. Um, And it'll be interesting to get to those episodes and see what you think of them and whether they have the same vibe or not. Which, while we're talking about the larger plot progression, I'm very curious to see... So, I've told you before... Leverage doesn't have, like, massive overarching plots. It's not like a supernatural where it's, like, there are all these clues and you're trying to, like, puzzle together, together yeah. and work out exactly what's happening. But they do have 
a major antagonist every season. I'm curious to see if you've got any guesses based on the... Because they have given you clues so far. I will say that. They have given you clues as to who the big bad this season's going to be. Do you have any guesses at all? I genuinely have no idea. Yeah. I, if, I said this to you before we started recording, but I'll reiterate it now. If, if you hadn't told me yeah. that there was any sort of overarching mm. plot... I wouldn't I would assume there wasn't one at all. All of the episodes have felt very self-contained. Yeah. And like obviously there's like continuing themes like fuck yeah. the rich and you know and these things which are obvious within it. Yeah. But plot-wise, like even yeah. like saying today like, you know, it, it feels weird that they drop off this thing about them all being pissed at Hardison and yeah. they they never pick it up. So it it kind of feels like to me that there is no kind of continuing plot. Obviously, there's character development and stuff, but it doesn't mm. feel... I don't feel like when I'm watching an episode that I'm, like, getting any information about any other episode. Like, nothing seems to link plot-wise between... It's not heavily serialised. Yeah, and, like, even what we were talking about before, like, how the airing order was different to the written order. And so yeah. if there was some sort of major overarching plot, that would be much fucking harder. Yeah. So the reason why we're doing the... Intended order, not the airing order, is because I think the character development is more consistent. Yeah, than the intended order. Before. But that's like yeah, that's the major difference between watching it in one order versus the other. Yeah, is so how linear the character development seems versus like because yeah, Chocolate there's not. It. It's not sort of a. There are like two episodes this season that have to be where they are, because otherwise they don't make sense. Right. Every other episode. Oh, sorry. There are three episodes in this. That don't make sense if they move. One All being the, the pilot. Other, one being the pilot, because the first episode explains how yeah. they became a team. And then the last two episodes are a two-part season finale. Gotcha. And it doesn't make sense for that to be anywhere else in the season, and you can't split them up because they are a two-part season finale. Yeah. So every other episode in this season, you could sort of watch in whatever order you felt like. Yeah. And other than, like, sort of the character development not really, like, lining up, and I think... Yeah, the pacing would be kind of weird, etc. I think it's, uh, yeah, there's no, it's not like, you know, I have to watch this episode, otherwise this plot point in this episode doesn't make sense. Yeah, so. And there is a little bit of that in the later seasons when there is more of an overarching plot versus just like a big bad. But yeah, first season especially, not so much. Yeah, no, so I guess to answer your question, I have no idea. Like, I couldn't even... I couldn't even make a guess because to me, like, I, I'm i sure the clues are obvious yeah. in retrospect and I quite like – I do really, really like good foreshadowing because yeah. good foreshadowing, you don't notice the first time you watch it or the first time you read it. Like, if it's really good – Yeah. See, honestly, I didn't think it was that good. Like, but, like maybe that's just my hindsight brain coming in. But. That's the thing, though, because I have no idea what you're yeah. talking about, which means it's been done well mm-hmm. because if it – to be fair, I'm not saying that if you can set... Like, if, if you're watching something or reading something and you're like, oh, that feels like a clue, that's not bad writing. No. But if you've got, like, foreshadowing that you are not supposed to be able to pick up yeah. the first time you watch it through and you don't, like, yeah, it, it means it's done well. Because sometimes it feels, like, super heavy-handed. And sometimes yeah. that's intentional. And there is, there is a whole chunk... Like, there's a whole bunch, even in these first five episodes, of foreshadowing. Mm. And... Because foreshadowing should be when you go back and rewatch the it, difference you're is, like, oh. It's sort of none of the foreshadowing becomes plot relevant until the last couple of episodes. Yeah. So, you know, 
it doesn't matter what order you watch it in because no matter what order you get the clues in, it's, it's not going to... Like, none of... They don't have impact on any of the other plots yeah. of the season. So. Yeah. But, you know, it's no. interesting that you don't even have a guess because, again, I thought it was, like, quite heavy-handed in this first season of where they were going. But I, if you haven't spotted it, then I'm not going to continue harping on about it because I think... I don't know if you'll be surprised or not, but I, 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 I'm excited. No, I, I literally have no idea. Because whether you see it coming or not, the last couple of episodes of this season I really do genuinely enjoy. Okay, so. Cool, cool. I look forward to them. But, yes, no, as, as of right this second, I I don't – nothing feels nothing feels joined enough yeah. to feel overarching. Like, nothing yeah. feels connected enough. So, mm. Though I do have one more point I think I want to mention. Okay. Specifically, the weird moment at the end with Sophie and I. <laughs> I – Sophie – Babe, you can do better. Literally, yeah. so fucking cool. I love her. Mm. She could do so much better. Yeah. I, I don't understand the Sophie Nate dynamic. I I get what they're trying to push. Yeah. Like I I it feels forced and mm. I don't like it. Like the act like the acting is not necessarily bad or anything. I just don't think the characters make sense together. Yeah. You know, like it just mm. doesn't it's kind of like when you... It does help going through when you get more of their backstory. I oh, I'm, I'm so, sure. But it just right now, I'm like, oh, yeah. like they keep they keep making a point of yeah. it. And I I just, I don't ship it. I don't. Yeah. I'm like, no, you're just like a mediocre white man. And a fantastic lady. Like, and yeah. Like, no, it just, no, no. I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. I like some straight ships, but like, oh yeah, this feels like the pinnacle of the straight ships. Like, it's like, oh, he was a boy, she was a girl. Can I make it any more obvious? Yeah. Avril Lavigne thing. Yeah, like, it's like every single straight couple trope that I hate. Like, they don't feel like a gay straight couple. You know what I mean? Like, they. <laughs> Sophie radiates so much bi energy. I she will does. Say that. But yes. Nate is like so much straight energy that it's like it cancels it out. Oh. I don't know. I just, I don't, they just don't, there, here's the thing. There is chemistry between all of the ensemble cast, yeah. right? It's quite good, actually. Mm-hmm. The, the chemi- casting is quite good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The chemistry between, say, Nate and Sophie Yeah. feels no fucking difference to the chemistry yeah. between Nate, uh, sorry, uh, not Nate, Sophie and Elliot. Yeah. Except the dialogue. Yeah. That's the only... The dialogue is different between Nate and Sophie, but the vibe is the same. Yeah. And so I'm like, it's weird because you don't say shit like that to people that your friends slash co-workers with. You don't say shit to the people that you respect. Like, <sighs> like you know, like it... I think that's the major difference. It just... It feels like Elliot, Hardison and Parker all respect Sophie a lot more than Nate does. I think Nate doesn't respect any of them yeah, as much no, no. as he should. Yeah. But yeah. Specifically with Sophie, it's like the rest of the team seems to have this like really like lovely level of like mutual respect across the board. Like, do you know? Okay. Do you except know for Nate. Nate just doesn't seem to respect anybody. I agree. Do you know what is really funny? It kind of feels like Parker, Hardison, and Elliot are like siblings. Yeah. And Nate and Sophie are their parents who've yeah. been married for 25 years and are about 
three seconds away from a divorce at any second. Yeah. Like, it literally... Look, I told you it was a found family. I didn't tell you it was a found functional family. Yeah, I was going to say, certainly not a functional one. Like, it genuinely... Like, I know that they are a team, but it certainly feels like there are two parts of that team. And you've got the parents and the children, and it's like the children all like mum better than dad. Oh, yeah. But also, it feels like the children are more capable because they are not being saddled with the emotional constipation of the failing marriage. Like, (laughs) so, like, the kids have reached a point where they're, like, full-functioning adults and are able to do all these things, and they're just kind of, like, hoping mum and dad keep it together, (laughs) you know, for just a little bit longer. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, that's... Yeah, I think that's probably the most accurate description but i yeah i don't i don't ship it i don't know if that'll change but right now i just kind of like i can't imagine a world where i ever think nate is good enough for sophie so moving on from that one last point that i want to make because i swear it's my last last point now okay (laughs) did you catch the doctor who reference sophie and nate's aliases are tom baker and sarah jane baker oh i didn't quite fun yeah do you know what's funny is i thought that tom baker sounded familiar but i couldn't quite place it the two reference yeah oh that is fun yeah <laughs> i like that do love some uh, doctor who yeah excellent lots of doctor who references you're in for a treat <laughs> my favorite one is oh i can't tell you that because it's a spoiler because you haven't met that character yet anything else to add beth think so i don't think so i feel like we've covered most of most of everything i had on my list okay well if you're all done for the day i think it's time to get to the rating out of five what would you rate this episode i gave it a 3.5 yeah i was pretty happy with it like yeah it like i said it's certainly the episode that i've enjoyed more than any other yeah especially i enjoyed it a million times more than yeah. last week's episode. Last week's episode I was really disappointed by. So I'm really glad that we've kind of like... I think the issue with last week's episode is it's such a from premise. But then Nate's just the most the annoying person the entire episode. So, yes. No, I... Uh, so, 3.5, I'm pretty happy with. Yeah. Like, it's a solid episode. I, I I would rewatch it. I enjoyed it enough that I was like, oh, okay. I like... like if this, Now you see the rewatch value. If this had been the pilot, yeah. I would have been hooked immediately. Mm. So, yes, no, I like this one. Ooh, I'm so excited. <laughs> You're getting to the point where you like the episodes, which is, like, bonus. Okay, so the next episode is called The Miracle Job. What do you think it's about? If it's about a dog, I'll scream. <laughs> um, is that a supernatural reference? Yes. Um, the Miracle Job. I, I want to say that... Given the context of miracles, people will often talk about miracles, obviously, in relation to, like, religion. Yeah. But they will also often talk about it in relation to miraculous health recoveries. Yeah. Which, again, is kind of tied into religion. Mm-hmm. So I want to guess that either it is something to do with a church okay. of some yep. kind. Maybe the villain is, like, a televangelist kind of mm. thing. Yeah. Or it has something to do with... Maybe we'll get some backstory into, like, Nate's kid because yeah. he died from, like, the illness that there was meant to do with the yeah. insurance company wouldn't cover or whatever. So yeah. maybe it's something along those lines. Although they did just do the whole thing with Parker pretending to have a brain tumour. So I don't know yeah. if they would go back to a hospital so yeah. soon. Uh, so, I yeah, I feel like it's got to go down, like, one of those avenues. It's yeah. either going to be 
particularly religious somehow, or it'll have something to do with like, like uh, health, health care, yeah. probably tangentially Nate's kid related. Yes, yeah, I think so. That would be my my prediction for that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I, look, I could be completely off. It could be. It could be like. I am excited for you to watch anything. it. <laughs> okay. Well, that does us for the day. We hope you enjoyed listening to us ramble for like an hour about leverage. <laughs> I enjoy myself immensely every week. If you want to find us on social media, you can find Beth over on Twitter at Thief Steals Pod. And Beth's work persona is Stephanie. Oh, Artisan yes, Stephanie. Is Dave. <laughs> What's your work persona? What are they like? Yes. How do you relate? What? What would you get you out of your office for a meeting? Like, how Ooh. frantic does the person have to be to get you out of the office for a meeting that you didn't I, know was happening? I would love that so much. Yes. Or do you just love meetings? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, and if you wanted to get in touch with Jamie, you can always hit her up on Tumblr at Thief Steals the Podcast. I personally think that it would be very fun discussion for you and Jamie to figure out what would be the best slash worst GMO vegetable. Like Ooh, carrot on, on the cob. cob. Like the visuals of that. Terrifying. I love excite it. Excite me. <laughs> like I want to know what that looks like. Like is it just a corn cob but orange? Or is it like like a lot of carrots? Like <laughs> just in that Kind of like a pine cone or something. Like yes, like a pine cone of carrots. Like I want to know. So if you've got any ideas for what you think would be the best slash worst GMO vegetable combination, let Jamie know. Ooh, I'd love that. <laughs> Once more, thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoy your morning, evening, afternoon, lunch, breakfast, brunch. day, night, brunch. I don't know, maybe you're listening to us at 3am. Maybe reconsider your life choices. Maybe you can't sleep. Maybe you can't sleep. I've been then, there. I relate. I've reviewed episodes of ours at 3 o'clock in the morning. Like, it's fine. <laughs> Arguably, I think that's sadder. To quote Beth <laughs> in 2K21, my sleep schedule's better than yours, Jamie. <laughs> it usually is. 